BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, good day, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time it is by you. Welcome to Line Drive Radio, your favorite baseball podcast, with yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, on Long Island in the great state of New York, home of the Bronx Bombers, baby. And it's time to welcome my LDR teammate, the one and only, from the great city of Chicago, Mr. Tab Bamford, Tab! As always, I gotta ask you, what's going down in Chi Town? Oh, oh, there's so much. Uh, the temp's been up and down. The, the rain has come down, and here we are uh, heading into Memorial Day weekend with neither team in first place. Uh, no basketball to watch. No hockey to watch. Prayers for the Bears. Uh, it is. Uh, it is a summer in Chicago, man. Here we are. Here we are, baby. Well, our two cities, as far as the American League is concerned, have seen quite a bit of each other over the last couple of weeks. Oh, so and let's... Uh, we won't confuse them for friends either. No. And that's that's good for baseball, I think. You know? We were joking well, last the, week with about... The, with the possibility of those two running into each other in October, uh, yeah. I mean, this is... Uh, you're building... Sound bites and narrative fodder for the postseason already in May. So, yeah, it's better hope they don't play the Orioles. Well, you know, Baltimore. Uh, well, you know, we are gonna we'll we'll dig in on uh, Baltimore a little bit today. Uh, we will certainly spend some time uh, discussing your Yankees, if and you uh, and we'll uh, we'll see where things go, but. Look, the great thing about baseball is uh, it is a marathon that is made up of short sprints. Uh, you have ebb and flow everywhere. You got teams that get hot, teams that are a dumpster fire, uh, teams that look like they could beat anyone in the world, and then reality slaps them in the face. And you've got teams that look like absolute crap for four months, five months, that end up winning the World Series like the Braves did last year. So. This is uh, we are on chapter two of a very long novel right now. Yeah, it's a long, long season. We're uh, hitting the uh, forty-six to fifty game mark here into this uh, Memorial Day weekend. And before we start the show, Tab, let's uh, recognize and say thank you to um, all our veterans who have served and sacrificed. And obviously, Memorial Day is to uh, remember those who have died 
uh, protecting our freedoms here in this great country. And uh, I, I th- yeah, yeah, and I think uh, um, the two of us as dads and coaches of little leaguers too, we want to send our deepest condolences out to the families down in Texas. The horrible thing that happened uh, this week as well. So it's a somber yeah, weekend. It's, uh, it, it's a, it it's is. A, it's a it's a it's a very big weekend here in the states. It's um it's primarily known for good times and kicking off the summer and firing up the barbecue and and little league tournaments. <laughs> like I know you're going to be uh, involved with this weekend, but uh, we just I just wanted to at least start off and just kind of uh, let everybody know our veterans, uh, families, military families, and of course the families down in Texas um, that they're in our thoughts. Yeah, and I think both of those circumstances uh you know i i'm thoughtful of a gentleman by the name of gunner hodgkin on memorial day weekend he was a swim team teammate of mine in high school who lost his life in afghanistan um and i also as we've talked about in this show previously have a number of friends who are currently active duty military um And every year on Memorial Day, I send a text message, whether he gets it or he's underwater and doesn't see it for a few weeks. Send a text message to my buddy, who's now the commanding officer of one of the beautiful nuclear submarines in the United States fleet, uh, thanking him for his service on Memorial Day. Uh, I have a folded flag from my grandfather's casket. Uh, He did not die while actively serving, but he did serve during World War II. Um, but I think having lost people who I've known closely in service, uh, and then as a parent, uh, husband of a high school teacher, when you see circumstances like we saw play out in Texas, um, be, be good to those people in your life. Um, make sure that you let people know that they're appreciated, whether it be, uh, keeping your relationships close with individuals in the military because you don't know when uh, you won't be able to tell them how much they mean to you. Uh, But certainly your family members, um, kids, teachers, educators at every level from pre-K to college campuses, we've seen it affect. Uh, Make sure that the people in your life know how much you appreciate them on a daily basis. Amen. Um, because we have a confluence of events here this week that should make you mindful that every day is a gift and don't take any uh, 24-hour period for granted because you don't know how many of them you've got. Yes, indeed. Amen to that. And um, uh, me and Tab went back and forth this week, uh, even you know, considering maybe waiting a little bit. But uh, we are going to move on today, and, and we're not moving on from it. We're not. We just... Um, we just figured we'd get back in the saddle here and talk a little bit because um, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you know what, Paul? Um, sports has been the uh, mental break from so many tragedies. It's been the salve for so many public wounds over the years. Um, you know, you're in New York, so it's significantly more personal to you. But when you think of circumstances like after 9-11, the way that this city rallied around 
the police and fire department and what that home run by Mike Piazza meant. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it feels very trivial to talk about guys making tens of millions of dollars to play a kid's game. Um, but as a society, we, we occasionally need something for, to take our mind off of things and to give us some, even if it's for two or three hours, some respite from the considerations of everything else that, uh, put stress and anxiety in our lives, uh, put tears on our cheeks and keep us up at night. So, um, so we'll talk a little baseball today. Uh, we'll dig in on what's going on around major league baseball, but certainly, um, again, sports can feel trivial at times, but I think what we have seen increasingly, and you certainly saw it in Miami last night, uh, with the moment of silence that they had, um, in other places in sports, the way that athletes and organizations are, um, allowing themselves and, and forcing themselves into the social conversation. Uh, certainly Steve Kerr, his words were incredibly powerful the other night. Um, and so um, while sports can be a, a, a step away from the ugly realities, uh, it's also a place that that conversation can continue and individuals with a platform can lend uh, their perspective and their voice to uh, the larger conversation. So we'll take a step away a little bit today and talk about some baseball and, and try and give you a little bit of something to take your mind off of the rest of life. But uh, we're certainly not going to ignore it, and we're certainly not going to uh, let it go away without uh, mention here on Line Drive Radio. But uh, but sports are uh, really there uh, for the to provide us with something to take us away from whatever it is in life that you've got going on. So uh, so we'll chat a little baseball today. Absolutely. All right, so it is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, before we get into the headlines here that we're going to start talk about as well, um, you know, w- with uh, the long weekend here and uh, everybody out and about and doing their thing, you look at some of the series. There's a couple of good series going on this weekend. Obviously, the Yankees and the Rays are going to be going at it, um, looking at the Red Sox and the White Sox. Uh, playing each other, and then the Phillies got the Braves tonight, and I think they have the Mets all weekend. That should be a really good series as well, too. Uh, just kind of running up and down here in terms of what's going on in the league, where certain teams are. Uh, you know, the Brewers and the Cardinals, I think, is also um, a pretty darn good series this weekend, too. Um, so your take on, on, on this, uh, like a holiday weekend, you know, roundabout of a couple of big series, like I said, hitting around the uh, almost about the 50-game mark here for most of the teams. Uh, just get your take on on um, some of the big series that are coming up this weekend and where the team stands. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, I mean, we're turning the quarter pole here. And, um, you know, we're going to spend a little time talking about the Yankees today. Um, but I think when you look at what's going on in the National League Central, uh, the bottom 60% of that division is not good. Uh, you've got the Pirates and Cubs, both seven games under five hundred, And the Reds being the Reds uh, with their... Uh, run differential of negative 73, which now, thanks to a 21-run uh, outburst by the Cardinals, is actually better than the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are negative 83, uh, and yet they're five games in front of Cincinnati in the standings. 
But, uh, you know, look, Milwaukee's got some injury problems that they got to deal with. Freddie Peralta's on the shelf. Uh, and so with St. Louis coming in, uh, having won six of their last ten, Milwaukee's won seven of their last ten in their last two, entering Thursday's action, that those two are going to be beating each other up the whole year uh, and theoretically taking advantage of three teams that are in various stages of disarray slash rebuild. Uh, and so it's that uh, anytime the Brewers and Cardinals get after it, I think it's worth having the eyeballs of a lot, a lot of people outside of those markets on it because they've got a lot to play for. Uh, and certainly with the added playoff spot, you want to position yourself well and continue playing well because right now the National League West has four teams over 500, which is more than the other two divisions in the National League combined. The East only has one over 500. The Central's got two. The West has four. And the Rockies have fallen on some hard times here and are now three games under. But Arizona comes into Thursday, winners of their last two, and now one game over 500. And a uh, quick question on the uh, the Cubs and the White Sox are actually going to play the tail end of the weekend here. T- take us into that real quick as far as I know the teams are in different different directions right now. But does the city get up for this? Obviously, the Sox will be home this weekend. Tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, I mean, you know, when the Subway Series comes around here in New York, and especially now with both teams playing so well, um, the intensity is going to be magnified a lot here uh, once that happens. But outside of that, I mean, is the Cub-White Sox Series a big deal in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, it, it always is. You know, you've got two sides of town, north side, south side. They chirp at each other constantly. Um but the, you're, this is going to be a different series than we've had the last few years where the White Sox were looking up at the more recent World Series champion. You don't have the conversations about who's the best first baseman in Chicago, Rizzo or Abreu. Rizzo's gone. You're not going to have the arguments about which shortstop would you rather have, Baez or Anderson. Baez is gone. You're not going to talk about which third baseman is – better between Bryant and Mankata because Bryant's gone. Um, you know, right now the White Sox are the team that should be performing better. Somehow they're a game over 500 with a negative 33 run differential. They've had some struggles. They've had a lot of health problems. Uh, sounds like Luis Roberts going to miss the Cubs series this weekend. He's on the, uh, he's on the COVID list right now, but you know, the Cubs have got a bunch of no-namers who are out there scrapping, and the Cubs actually have a positive. They're a plus-seven run differential. They're five and five in their last ten, but they're still seven games under five hundred. Uh, and so, you know, this is one of those series where every once in a while you see the team that isn't performing as well with no pressure on them come out and show out a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, there will be plenty of conversation in Chicago about it, but it isn't like it's been the last couple of years where you've got guys comparing each other across the city and fans arguing which guy they'd rather have and making the case for their guy. It's pretty clear at almost every position on the diamond that you'd rather have the guy who will be starting for the White Sox over the Cubs. I would submit Wilson Contreras behind the plate with Grandal being a nice player, but surprisingly getting a lot of DH run because of Reese McGuire. Um, Catcher might be the only spot that I would realistically say the Cubs could make a case that they've got the better player right now. So uh, so we'll see how it plays out. But the, the fun part is the fans are still going to chirp. 
and Sox fans can come in with a chip on their shoulder, and they should because they should be the better team right now. But they're uh, they're fighting it a little bit right now, still looking four and a half games up at the Twinkies in Minnesota, or the Piranhas, as uh, Ozzy Dean used to call them. <laughs> and they're getting back to being Piranhas up there. So, you know, and, and this is a big deal for the White Sox. They're a game under five hundred at home. And they got the Cubs coming to their, their building. So uh, it'll be fun to watch, always is. And there will be plenty of social conversation about Sox-Cubs. But it, it, little, a little bit of the luster's off the rose this year because of the Cubs' fire sale last year. All right. Well, it should be a good time this weekend in Chicago with the North and the South side going at it. All right, man. Let's jump around to a couple of quick headlines. There's been many this past week. But uh, I know, Tab, you want to focus in on a couple of things, and I think you want to head out to the Mile High City first. Talk a little Colorado Rockies and the big guy who's on the big deal, who uh, right now, unfortunately, is unable to be a big deal. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, after signing a deal that surprised a lot of people and moving to left field to theoretically keep his body right, Chris Bryant found himself on the injured list with a, with a back issue. And he has not gotten off to the start that I think the Rockies would have liked to have seen. Uh, we're heading into Memorial Day weekend, and their most expensive player has two runs batted in, and he's on the shelf. Uh, which I think, as a positive for the Rockies, as we already talked about, with them being close to the 500 line, if they've gotten almost nothing from their most expensive player, maybe there's a higher ceiling for the mile high than. Uh, than maybe we would have expected going into this year. But uh, but it has not been the best of starts for Chris Bryant. Uh, so we will uh, we'll see how he turns the, uh, turns the ship around when he comes off of the injured list. But, you know, Bryant in his history has had, you know, issues that have put him on the shelf for a week or two. It seems like once or twice a year. And the first one hit him here uh, heading into Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and he is—he's uh, got a lot of a lot to prove. But we've talked about this, Paulie. Uh, you know, you look at Francisco Lindor fighting it a little bit last year with the Mets, when guys sign big money deals, and especially batters that are out there every day trying to prove it. Sometimes it it becomes a lot to live up to, uh, and it looks like Chris Bryant uh, is working his way through living up to it now, with a little bit of a physical limitation. So, uh, unfortunately. For the uh, for the purple and black in Denver, you Chris are, Bryant. I think you're being way too kind to this guy right now. I think it's pretty awful. I mean, 63 at bats. His uh, the money is piling up to this. You know, his 12 foot ceilings in his house right now, and he's uh, as the Italians would say, Stugatz, Mister Baffert. <laughs> you're being way too nice to this guy. This is awful, man. Yeah, 270. I mean, they've actually got on list as having four rubies. But man, okay. no home runs, Zippo. Yeah, it's um, he might as they might as well put him on the top team. The guys, you know, wait for rainy days and snow in Colorado, and and help him. I mean, he's doing he'd be doing more for the franchise by helping the infield team out, covering the diamond when the weather comes in bad, which it often does in there in Colorado. This oh, yeah. is no I mean, good, I mean, man. They, they went it, from ninety to snow in twenty four hours. Yeah, and this uh, is yeah, the guy that I said was going to be the MVP of the year. You heard me. It's on tape. And uh, he's letting me down, Tab. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's letting a lot of people down. Um, but, again, having watched him with the Cubs 
there have been stretches where he has struggled and there have been stretches where he's been playing banged up. And when he gets his body right and turns the corner, he looks great uh, and is worth some semblance of the money that he got. I think we were, when we opened the, this season, the line drive radio, we were both shocked at both the location and the term and dollars that Chris Bryant got. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been an unmitigated disaster so far in Colorado for him. But I think the hope is that he can get his body right and come back when the weather warms up and the air gets thinner out there, uh, the ball starts flying for him. But yeah, I mean, you know, to be heading into Memorial Day with single digit runs batted in as the centerpiece of the offense is just a brutal look. Uh, but again, the, sh- the silver lining on the you-know-what cloud is uh, that uh, without KB giving them a damn thing, uh, the Rockies are hanging around the 500 mark, and that's got to be a positive because everybody else is carrying more weight than he is. I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, they're hanging in there uh, as far as the West is concerned right now. But, um, yeah, I mean – I'm, I'm moral of the, the moral of the story, the, the the takeaway here, Paul, is you don't want Paul Cuthbert to pick you as the MVP of the National. <laughs> Bravo, Mr. Bamford. Bravo. Uh, I be, am the curse. Because at some point the wheels will just go flying off and you're going downhill in a soapbox hoping and praying that you land on your feet. Yeah, and it's, I think it's rubbing off on their hockey team too. Uh-oh. Um, but, yeah, they got to straighten things out there in Colorado, which is going to be uh... – a nice transition from going downhill without a, without breaks to the avalanche. I like that. Woo-hoo-hoo. All right, Tab. Well, let's uh, let's go from the Mile High City to Kansas City, where you believe the Royals are struggling. Is this true? Uh, breaking news: They're not good. Um, <laughs> if you're going to Kansas City, I recommend the ballpark. It's beautiful. Uh, I recommend the barbecue. It's magnificent. Uh, but uh, the baseball is leaving a lot to be desired right now, and. Uh, you know, looking around, and we're going to, when we get into the good and the bad, we're going to touch a little bit on, on the future in Kansas City because I think that, the, we've talked about this, the future's pretty bright down there because they've got a lot of talent coming, but it ain't there yet. It, same story in Kansas City as it is in Baltimore. Um, but they've lost six straight, uh, which is not good. Uh, I, that's you know certainly breaking news that no one expected. Six straight losses is not good. They've won two of their last ten, uh, which uh, entering Thursday is tied with Seattle. For me, the most disappointing team in the American League. Um, but for the worst ten game stretch entering Thursday in the American League at two and eight, uh, and their minus sixty two run differential is. Easily the worst uh, in the American League. They're two touchdowns worse than Detroit, uh, which in Detroit, if you say someone's two touchdowns worse, they haven't heard that in about 30 years since Barry Sanders left. <laughs> anyway, um, but but it, it, it's a rough patch in Kansas City here. And But, but the reason that I, we touch on them having lost six straight kind of gets into a little bit of a macro uh, thing that I noticed this morning as I was looking up and down the standings, and that is this. And I don't know if I should use the word parody or mediocrity, but the Kansas City Royals are the only team in Major League Baseball entering Thursday's games with a win or loss streak of longer than two games. Nice. So everybody's 
everybody's given one or taking one or dropping two and getting back on the horse or, or winning one or two and then dropping one. Um, you're not seeing a lot of series sweeps here now that we're into May, and it doesn't matter if you're playing the Royals, the Orioles, the Pirates, the Reds. I mean, you know, the Cubs coughed one up in Cincinnati yesterday. Um, you know, the the bottom feeders are, are, are sniping people, and it's not getting easier for anybody because these are games that you need to win and expect to win. But, uh, but nobody's putting together any kind of a prolonged streak either way right now other than the Royals with their six straight losses. And so it, it's fascinating looking around all of Major League Baseball and seeing that everybody is kind of hovering around that almost break-even point. And when you, when you move it out to the last 10 games in the American League, only two teams have won more than six of their last 10. Boston, 7-3, and three, and Minnesota, 8-2. and two, And they both lost their games coming into Thursday. So they're both riding a one-game losing streak, if you want to call it a streak at one. But everything else is between four and six and six and four, except for you know, a couple outliers with the Guardians at three and seven. And then, as I said, the Royals and Mariners at, at two and eight. So everybody's kind of hovering around that 500 mark for a couple weeks here in the American League. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I don't know if the word, Paul, is parody or mediocrity, um, but everybody seems to be kind of in a break-even mode right now, including your New York Yankees, who even with two straight wins and being 18 games over 500, 10 games over at, at Yankee Stadium, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10, just like two other teams in the division. And then the Red Sox at 7-3. and three, Everybody's just kind of treading water with themselves for the last two weeks. Yeah, and I'm uh, – what, is, is there any need at this time in the season to really kind of try and figure out why that is? Um, I think as far as the parity or – is it, you know, and or the mediocrity, and or is it just part and parcel to how this season got started, the short training camp, spring training, I should say. Um, it's been colder across most of the northeast here. lots of rain. Midways, lots of rain, yeah. There's really, you know, as far as rhythm of the season, so it could be all kinds of different factors here too as well. But, um, I mean, I think it's, I, it's great for you to catch that. You know, I'm just streaming through up and down here through the um, the standings here, and that's that's um it's pretty unique to see that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that usually you've got somebody that's on a three game, four game heater, um, or you got a team that's dropping them like flies. But here we are, you know, and the second half of May has been practically break even for seventy percent of baseball, and I think the extra playoff spot has a lot of people playing a little bit tighter to the vest and you've got some teams that are pretty openly struggling toronto's offense has been bad boston's was a mess for a long time but they're starting to climb which is scary if you're toronto and you're trying to figure things out i mean their offense was and is supposed to be a juggernaut and they've got a minus seven run differential starting the day um, but you've got, you know, between Toronto and the White Sox, two teams that are not playing as well as advertised when the season started. Seattle really not playing as well as people had hoped. Um, but I think that you've got a, a, a distribution of talent, especially, you know, with this conversation focusing really more on the AL, a distribution of talent 
that you can really see, uh, you know, some teams surprising each other and, you know, looking up and down at road records, you know, it looks like most teams are handling their business at home, uh, which has led to some, some pretty dramatically bad records away from home for a lot of teams. Toronto's nine and twelve away from home. Boston ten and thirteen away from home. Baltimore six and sixteen. American League Central, Cleveland ten and fourteen. Detroit six and fifteen. Kansas City six and thirteen. In the West, Texas nine and eleven. Oakland breaking even at five hundred, thirteen and thirteen. And Seattle eight and eighteen. You know, teams are getting comfortable at home, and I do think you make a good point there, Paul, about the condensed spring training that we had. Teams are just going to be more comfortable at home and they need to do work at home when they get the opportunity to. You know, the only team in the American League uh, that has a significantly better, and I, I use significantly tongue-in-cheek, uh, but a better record away from home than at home is the Chicago White Sox, who are 12-10 and 10 on the road and 10-11 and 11 at home. And again, the Sox could flip that script uh, with the Cubs coming in this weekend. But, uh, but the only team that's got a better road record than home coming into Memorial Day weekend is the Chicago White Sox. So, you know, the the American League is really fascinating this year. Uh, There are just so many moving pieces. And when we, you know, move into the good and the bad this week, we're going to stay in the AL. So for all of you uh, National League fans, bear with us because uh, we'll we'll get to you. We promise here. But there's so many intriguing storylines in the American League for good and bad that just the way that things are starting to shape up here two full months into the season is – is really, really fascinating. Yeah, well, look, I'll, you know, I'll take it either way. I, I think it's okay, you know, to as far as the, you know, you pointing out there where the parity or mediocrity, I guess, you know, in, in a long baseball season and now with the new wild card addition uh, to the playoff se- season and the extra teams getting in and everything else, I think maybe it's, it's a kind of a good conditioning here for us as fans uh, to get used to the fact that, hey, you know, if, if most teams stay close, this year, it, it's going to be a lot of fun as opposed to other years where it didn't matter how close you were because you weren't going to get in unless you were a division winner and, um, you know, really playing pretty good as far as the top three teams, uh, you know, that are leading the pack here. But now you've got a, a different way to kind of look at it. And, and those teams really just kind of have to hang in there a little bit and get through this and and uh, swing around to, um, you know, continue to try and play uh, good baseball. And, you know, baseball seasons, Tab, as you know, like I said, there's ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride. It's very hard to stay consistent. The top teams are always going to have that uh, trouble playing, you know, the better teams in their division. But you you bring up a great point here with the bottom feeders chipping away. I mean, perfect example is just the Orioles, the, the trouble they're giving to the Yankees. And uh, and then you look at some of the other teams here and, and out west and out in L.A. and everything else in terms of um, – you know how those teams are playing, and uh, and who they run into, and you know I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying that I don't know, but again, being a little league coach here too, and being on the field, and just I know that's a it's a it's a it's obviously nowhere comparison as far as the level. But baseball in general takes a ton of patience, and fans have to be patient, and organizations have to be patient. And all the different parameters that you can kind of look at that affect what we're talking about now, which is parity and mediocrity, so many things play into it. 
And um, this is this again is probably just another great beauty of the game here, and maybe especially this season and going forward with um, the way Major League is headed. And hopefully, it's more of the fact tab that it's 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 more due to the talent that's being infused into the league than say mediocrity. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. And uh, and w- in, in a in a second here, when we dive into the good, I think we will touch on some of the spark plugs that are changing some of these dynamics on teams that are starting to try and turn the corner. But, um, but yeah, in one, uh, one final news nugget, uh, headline before we get into the good, um, which will be a, a much more positive note than this, uh, nugget that, uh, is just starting to circulate, uh, on social media, a number of outlets, including deadline and TMZ, uh, are reporting, uh, that, Ray Liotta, the star of a number of great movies, including Goodfellas, and for our baseball audience, Field of Dreams, uh, apparently has passed away at the age of 67. Come on. Uh, so, what are you doing to me, Tab? Uh, so, you know, with the, uh, with the, with the uh, Cubs and Reds going to play in the cornfields this summer, um, you know, though I'm, I'm sure that, uh, they'll, they'll pay some respects, but, uh, yeah, uh, a star of, uh, a couple of, uh, really, uh, I mean, the guy's resume is incredible. We can't talk about baseball now. We got to talk about Ray Liotta and all his great movies now. Yeah, we, oh. we, we will have to, you know, maybe that's next week, Paul, maybe next week in honor of, uh, in respect of Ray Liotta passing, we, uh, we, we, we go in on our top. I couldn't wait. Baseball couldn't movies wait of all time. Show to break my heart, Tim. Breaking yeah, my heart it, here. Yeah, it's yeah. And feel the dreams. It, some people love it. Some people think that it's not a great baseball movie. For me, it's a. If it's on, I'm pretty much going to watch it. Uh, and uh, you know, yeah, kind of kind of a tough hitter. Uh, that uh, for those that are listening in. Was not on the notes, but as we are recording, uh, unfortunately, that news is now circulating uh, that Ray Liotta uh, has passed away at the age of 67. <sighs> Shoeless Joe joining Shoeless Joe in the uh, ballpark in the sky. All right. I'm going to take a deep breath here. And we are going to transition to the good. Good stuff this week in Major League Baseball is the Utes. The Utes of the game. The Ute movement. The two Utes. The many Utes of Major League Baseball. Tam, I like this. I like what you got down here in the notes. I like talking about this. Let's talk about the Utes of Major League Baseball. Let's get young for a minute, shall we? Um... And we, we kind of got into this a little bit as we were talking about the character in the American League, but uh, where some of these young teams are starting to get some excitement, reasons to buy tickets, reasons to go see games, uh, reasons to believe that 50 games under 500 isn't a permanent reality in cities like Seattle and Kansas City and Baltimore and Detroit is some of these young guys that are coming up. And 
Uh, earlier this week, the Orioles called up their top pick, the number one overall selection in the 2019 draft, Adley Rushman, who many feel is, you know, for uh, for comp's sake, we'll say Mike Piazza if he played defense. Um, he, and it was it was pretty cool. Uh, because they dropped the video on social media of him getting called into the manager's office and the minors and them talking about, look, we sat you today. It's not about you. We just want you to keep being you, keep doing you, because you're going to go do you in Baltimore. And his players all come in, they start jumping up and down, and the hype is out of control, which it is a lot of times. But when a, no, a top guy like Adley Rushman gets the call, it's a big moment for not only the individual and his family and all that they put in, uh, but the guys that have helped him along the way the teammates that played with him, but also the organization. Because a lot of people, I mean, we've talked about this. Baltimore's got some Grayson Rodriguez, is really special deal. Hall looks like he's going to be legit. They got a lot of talent coming. And they got guys like Cedric Mullins doing their thing already at the big league level. But when you got a number one overall pick coming up that says the time is coming soon. Uh, and there are going to be some learning curve and there's going to be some growing pains. But you know, it was pretty cool when Rushman got to Baltimore. He walked out to home plate, and before he put his mask on, he just turned around and surveyed the scene. Yeah. And he said that other people that have gotten the call have told him, soak it in because you only get to do that once in your life. It was really cool to see that. And he is not certainly the first. He probably would have been on their opening day roster, but an arm issue shut him down in spring training. Um, But – He's one of the top four prospects coming into this year, in most people's estimation, that has now joined the major league ranks that we believe will be long-term keepers at the big league level. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, my preseason uh, AL Rookie of the Year, uh, front runner, pick to click, if you will. Uh, we've, we've given Kansas City a hard time, but Bobby Witt Jr., uh, and another former number one overall pick, Spencer Torkelson, uh, one of your favorite names in baseball. Love it. Is uh, is up there in Detroit. And like I said, there's going to be some learning curve. There's going to be some bumps in the road here. And it hasn't been easy for these guys all year. Um, Rodriguez got up to a brutally awful start. Harold Reynolds on MLB Network was saying, send him down. And other guys on the show were saying, if he's the future, you let him play through. You let him ride it out, you let him learn, and you see how he turns the corner. And to his credit, uh, after a brutal month of April, uh, May has been pretty kind to Julio Rodriguez, who comes into Thursday leading Major League Baseball with 13 stolen bases. Uh, And over the last week, he is nine for his last 29 with three homers and seven runs batted in. So Rodriguez is starting to turn the corner. Bobby Wood Jr., talent for days. Uh, He's got three multi-hit games in his last seven starts. Spencer Torkelson got off to a slow start. I believe his batting average is still sub-Mendoza. But he's settling in defensively at first base, and he's got a hit in five of his last seven games. And so now you're looking at four of the top prospects, in many people's estimations, the top four, and Rushman, Rodriguez, Witt, and Torkelson making the jump to the major league level, and you're seeing them impact games. Rushman's first hit in the majors, a catcher, was a triple. Because, of course, it was. <laughs> um, but uh, but you're seeing young guys come up and show flashes of the hype that has them getting that top billing in all of baseball. And so if you're in Seattle, Kansas City, Detroit, or Baltimore, 
it's worth the price of admission to go see these guys play because that's the future. They're going to, they're, they are being sold to you as fans as the future of the organization. And they're starting to show you that they could be just that. And that is why, as we talked about uh, with our headlines here about the parody versus mediocrity, I think parody is the word because you've got young guys on bad teams making life miserable for the good teams and the established pitchers. And, you know, People are going to adjust and they're going to, you know, these guys are going to have their ups and downs. And it's been down a lot for guys like Torkelson and Rodriguez early in their major league careers. But they're starting to turn a corner and there's a lot that you can be excited about. But the youth movement in baseball is real. It's happening in front of our eyes. Uh, And in the American League, you've got the four top guys in the entire game uh, as far as prospects are concerned. Jumping into the mix and it is another reminder that the game is in young hands right now. Very good, capable, talented young hands. Uh, And you are seeing these young guys uh, really start to do some special stuff on the diamond. Yeah, no, um, it is great to see that. And that's what we've talked about since we start LDR. Since we started LDR was how excited me and you both were about all the young players coming in and the talent that's going to be on the field, you know, for the next few years. And it's it's starting to reproduce uh, earlier than uh, than later here. Tab, real quick, how you know you're talking about the young players kind of messing up, you know, say veteran pitchers or pitching staffs, you know, so on and so forth during the course of the season. How much time is invested for an organization to advance scout maybe the next team that's coming in uh, to play you in a series? Do managers in baseball, you know? Do they are they just going series to series? It doesn't matter who's in the lineup, or do or, or teams responsible and management staffs responsible to have uh, the manager and the rest of the team prepared for who's coming in, who's playing this position, who's hitting well, who's on a streak. Uh, as far as you know, how to manage uh, to play against them, uh, you know, series to series. How much advance are they getting on? Like I said, how how do they know uh, the ability of the players coming in? Or is it basically just it's series to series and they're just concentrating basically on their own guys? Uh, the amount of advanced scouting that's gone on in baseball for decades is astronomical. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much scouting goes into stuff. The, the advances in media technology uh, has changed a lot of that. It used to be that you'd watch a game and a pinch hitter or a rookie would come up and you'd see the manager go over behind the bench and he'd have like a three foot deep three ring binder that he'd be leafing through looking for stuff because they'd get printed reports and all this stuff. Now it's an iPad, but and every organization is going to utilize the data that they collect and have at their disposal differently. And I think you see that play out in their performance, but you know, now you've got minor league organizations that are going to be tracking what these guys, you know, hot spots are and cold spots as far as a hitting zone all the way from the beginning of their professional career until they get recalled. And with an iPad, they just they can just upload all of that data and have a pretty good idea what this kid can and can't do when he gets there for his debut. But obviously the kid has to do it at the major league level. Uh, and he's doing it against the best pitchers on the planet. He's not doing it against single, double, or triple A arms. And so when you see these guys come up every once in a while, you'll hear a broadcaster say, well, they haven't seen a curveball like Kershaw's in double A. Well, they haven't. 
but they've seen a hundred mile an hour fastball. They've seen a, probably a, a nice slide piece and they've performed well enough to get advanced, but having arm after arm after arm be as good as it is in the major leagues is where the struggles come for these young guys. But every organization just has the depth of data that's available is mind numbing, uh, but it's up to each organization to utilize that data and then put it into action. And pitchers have to execute pitches. Batters have to execute what they're asked to do, put the ball in play or lose one. Um, but you have to ultimately do your job. And I think that's what makes baseball such a fun sport to analyze is there's so much data available that you feel like this should just be a video game, right? Yeah. You should just be playing MLB The Show. You know that this dude can't hit a slider down away, down and away, so you should just throw that three times and be done, right? Until the pitcher doesn't execute the slider low and away and hangs one and it gets crushed, or the batter makes an adjustment and takes it the other way, and all of a sudden, he's figured something out, and now the pitchers have to adjust to the fact that he's actually making contact with the pitch that previously he'd been cold on. The human element in baseball is what makes it great, but the data that's available, that's why you've got shifts. That's why you've now got a DH in the National League. That's why we're so concerned about pitch counts. That's why we're so concerned about how long pitchers are throwing, how many pitches they throw. Um, you know, there's a there's a young man at my wife's high school, and I was talking to a couple guys with high school students, and he's a stud prospect. Uh, he's probably got, you know, the first three rounds of the MLB draft on his mind right now as he's finishing his senior year of high school. He had committed to Notre Dame, a pitcher who touches mid to upper 90s, good infielder, hits the you-know-what out of the ball. Um, and the rumor is that Major League Baseball uh, got in contact with uh, the athletic department at my wife's high school and told them to back off and put the kid on a pitch count because they didn't want a high school coach to go out and throw this dude 130 pitches and mess his arm up two months before his name gets called. Which, if you remember the urban legend of Kerry Wood throwing, I think it was 180 pitches in a high school state championship game the summer he got drafted by the Cubs, many people point to that as where his arm started to fall apart. Wow. And so now, if you're a first-round pick, if you're tabbed as a first- or second-round pick, they'll politely ask, like, hey, maybe you want to back out of that commitment to Notre Dame because somebody's got you on their first- or second-round radar, and you're going to be a millionaire before you turn 19. Uh, and so that's why we have so many conversations like that happening, because of the data that we have and the way that teams and Major League Baseball and many organizations at the minor league level are utilizing data to inform their decision-making process. But at the end of the day, the human element has to execute. And the human can evolve. The human can adjust. Uh, and the pitchers and batters need to either step out of what they've struggled with or perform what they know is going to work against the opponent. That's what makes the game so great. That's why we love sports. Because it, it's the greatest reality show on TV. Because a guy's going to hit a three-pointer that can't shoot for you-know-what. Guy's going to hit a curveball for the first time in his life. A kicker's going to make a kick from 60 yards that you've never seen before. Last night, we saw a guy that played six minutes in regulation score an overtime game-winning goal. And he hadn't done that in, what, five, six years? So the great thing about sports is that guys ultimately have to do their job. Uh, but uh, with these young guys, the reports that you're going to have are going to grow and change and shift and evolve 
pretty quickly because people are going to find out what they're good at and what they're bad at, and they're going to try to expose what they're bad at. Uh, and these guys are going to have to learn and adjust and grow with the way that teams are scouting them. And a lot of teams will do a lot of self-scouting as well. So, uh, so yeah, the data that's available is absolutely changing the game uh, for the good and if you don't like the shift for the bad. But these young guys are going to get a lot handed to them early on, uh, and they're going to be able to learn and digest a lot of information uh, and go into their bats a lot better prepared than generations gone by because – they're going to be able to sit down on an iPad and watch what this guy's pitches do before they ever see the guy in real life. Mm-hmm. That's great stuff. Yeah, the technology today is unbelievable, and I think it just benefits anybody who loves the game. It's great for the kids, too. My little guy, we come home from Little League or we come home. He actually now watches every Yankee game with his iPad. And I think you mentioned something like that about your son, too. As the yeah. game's going on, he watches all the stats and everything else. Uh, and that, to me, is fantastic because for him at nine years old, it's just a phenomenal education uh, in real time, you know, while he's watching his, his, his favorite players play. Yeah. And, and again, and, and I've, you know, we've talked about it at the youth level. It starts at 10, 11, you with the tracking and the stats that are available and things like that, um, which I think can be overkill when you start talking about 10 and 11 year olds tracking on base percentage and hard hit rate and all that other crap. But the preparation is available to players at every level. Once you become a professional, it's up to the individual to utilize that and have that amount of information help you, but at the same time, not have paralysis by analysis not change what got you to being a number one overall pick, a top-rated prospect. Don't change who you are, but work on the, the areas that people are scouting or weaknesses and become better at that. And that's where you see guys come up and stick versus guys that struggle and go up and down. And I think if you've seen the movie Moneyball, you know, you know the struggles that Billy Bean had uh, as a, a top prospect uh, struggling at the professional ranks, and, and that's why his career was as short-lived as it was. Um, but certainly, you know, he has become one of the leading voices and that's why the movie Moneyball was made off of the book Moneyball, which was written about how they were allowing what many old school baseball people will call nerds to run their scouting operation. Uh, because, because now it's a math equation as much as it is a talent evaluation. And that is, uh, that is where baseball has evolved too. So. Uh, but look, you know, getting back to the, the, the point here, these young guys are going to be handed a lot. We'll, we'll see how they handle it. But right now, you know, these four guys in the American League, Rushman, Rodriguez, Witt, and Torkelson are, are being handed a lot. And, and they're starting to show signs of being able to handle it. And that's really exciting for those four fan bases because they've been waiting for a while in all four of those cities to have a name to put on the marquee. And I think now all four of them have one. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the good stuff this week on LDR. Now, for some reason. Cue the evil empire. Tab has put the Yankees in the bed section this week. I don't understand. I'm going to light my cigar with the fire. They're they're the only team with 30-plus wins. They're the only team with less than 14 losses. They're the best in Major League Baseball. And he's got them. In the bad section this week on LDR. I don't understand, Tab. Please explain. Uh, 
Yeah, where where do we begin here? Um, so the Yankees, yes, they have the best record in baseball. Yes, they have 31 wins. No one else has reached the 30 market. Yes, uh, they're 17 and 7 at home. Yes, they have gaudy numbers and they're uh, pummeling baseballs all over North America. Uh, but this has been a this has been a tough week for the pinstripes uh, in a number of regards. So, as we talked about in the pre-show, Kumbaya, Paul, um, we're not going to dive in too much on this show because I think a lot of people, and if you follow either one of us on social media, have discussed the the ridiculousness, the stupidity, the naivete, however you want to put it, with Josh Donaldson's. Um, comments with Tim Anderson and the blow up that happened between the White Sox and the Yankees. Uh, Donaldson has since apologized, but he did it in a bit of a backhanded way. Like if you don't get my joke, maybe you don't have the same sense of humor. I do. It wasn't funny. Uh, the racial overtones were unnecessary. I'm glad major league baseball stepped in and said, look, it was a dumbass thing to do. Sit a game, uh, which of course Donaldson hasn't been able to formally appeal yet because his ass landed on the COVID list. Uh, karma, karma is a beautiful thing, but look, I mean, it was dumb. It was unnecessary. He allegedly has COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly. He's going to sit for a week with a one game suspension. Like Michael Jordan allegedly needed to play baseball anyway. Um, but a lot of fan bases don't like Josh Donaldson. Uh, he's developed a bit of a, a sandpaper ish, uh, reputation during his time in major league baseball. He's got multiple MVP awards at home. So you can discuss, the person versus the performance. We see that in all over sports, um, but it, it was dumb what he did with Tim Anderson. And f- as an outsider looking in, Paul, it feels like with a ship that was flying against the current and didn't see a single wave and was just easy street was flowing through the Bronx. It feels like Donaldson opening his mouth might've opened Pandora's box. And you started to see some cracks in the concrete at the cathedral in the Bronx, because look, since he, since he ran his mouth at Tim Anderson, it's been a hard week for the Yankees. And I know that they're still winning games, but look, May 22nd, they announced Chad green. One of the key arms in their bullpen is getting TJ. Tommy John's coming to Chad green's house. Two days later, rolled his Chapman after pumping 94 mile an hour fastballs instead of his usual triple digits lands on the shelf with an Achilles issue. The next day, the guy who picked up the slack for Chapman last year admirably and was probably being viewed as having a significantly increased role from an already important designation in that bullpen with Green going down, uh, Jonathan Loisega lands on the 15-day injured list. And in the same day, Giancarlo Stanton, who, like Chris Bryant, has had some issues missing games over the past uh, because of injuries, Lands on the 10-day with an ankle issue. So you've got Donaldson and Stanton both missing from the lineup right now. And then your bullpen loses Green, Loisega, and Chapman. And you got a kid making his debut. And, man, I mean, it was so fun seeing that kid's girlfriend and his parents in the stands last night. But you're going to have a lot of guys needing to step up and play a big-time role here for at least a couple weeks. Um, because when you lose the three guys that are, you know, Answers one, two, and three out of your bullpen. That's a big stress on a manager and a bullpen and a pitching staff. 
And when you take Stanton, who's had a, a remarkable start to the season out of the lineup with an ankle issue, and Donaldson's missing at the same time, that's two bats that you're counting on to do damage. Uh, and so, Paul, it isn't I, the Yankees falling in the bad category isn't because of their performance on the field. But again, it just it feels like Donaldson ran his mouth and this thing turned a left corner and. You know, the dominoes, you were waiting, you're like, well, something's got to happen because they, they're not going to be a 140-win team, even though they keep playing like it. But, man, it's been a hard week for the Yankees, brother, because with those injuries, you know, it you got a lot of gaps on that roster that you got to figure out how you're going to fill. And you're laughing at me here, but... <laughs> that, that that's, a, that's a big list of guys going on the shelf at once, brother. Yeah, but it's May 27th. All right, if you're talking as, as, as far as, you know, stand and break his ankle, he'll be fine. It's going to be all right. Um, you know, Chapman hasn't really been pitching anyway. When Chapman's come in, he's been a problem. Let him rest his Achilles for a while. And, take, and, and, you, take and the, Cubs, time. the Cubs will officially say, you're welcome. Not yeah. only for Chapman's arm being dead since he came back, but also for all of the issues that you have now with the young man that you got from the Cubs well, for a role as Chapman I in the first place, Flavor Torres. Yeah, well, trust you and me, all right? Let's say if, if when Chappie comes back here or if he doesn't come back, Chappie was one foot out of the ballpark here in, in Yankee Stadium. It's, I mean, Booney's been playing them, you know, when, when, when they've needed – I mean, the Yankees have played so well, they just really haven't had to bring him in. So he's rusty. You want to throw in everything else, the, the beginning of the city. Look, I'm just not worried about it as far as Chapman's concerned because he hasn't been an integral part of the Yankees' success this season. And but here's I, the I, problem, Paul. If you're losing the Weiziga and Green's done for the year, his season's over. When you say Tommy John, that's 18 months. Other even guys next will year, now have the opportunity but, to step up. And like I said, it's May, and we're only running into June. These guys will be back. We'll be fine, and I think the team has, has been playing uh, better than good enough at the beginning of the season. We talked about this last week because we knew the injury thing was going to happen to the Yankees, and they've put a little, you know, whatever it is, four and a half games. I mean, all they got to do is, is just kind of stay the pace here. They've got enough guys in the lineup, and as far as the batting lineup, in the last couple of games here with the Orioles, it is what it is, and they were struggling a little bit too as far as the Yankees are concerned, even in the White Sox series and so on and so on. I, I guess I'm just not concerned about it because of the time of the year that it is. And I think the Yankees have, have shown right now that they've got a pretty good squad um, to kind of carry us through the, the meat of the season that's coming up here in, in July and August. And, and, and these guys will be back for that, hopefully. And, and you know, Severino's been pitch, pitching well. Ness has been great. Cole has been great. Holmes has been great. Talia's been great. They got enough guys in there as far as the main core, as far as the bullpen's concerned. If you're going into three-game series, two-game series, I mean, they'll be fine as far as you guys, you know, as far as where the starters are going. And our starters are pitching seven-inning games. So I think which um, which again, and this is where we kind of get back to that conversation we had about the White Sox last year with Tony Larusa, uh, you know, climbing out of the Field Museum exhibit with the other dinosaurs and managing the White Sox, <laughs> is when you lose big pieces of the bullpen, they have a pitching staff that they can rely on to give you six plus right now, right? But Severino's coming back from two years lost, and. Cole has had some blips on the radar the last couple of years. We'll say if it was sticky hands or, 
or just but needing that's to work. Past. Some... They're both looking really but, good in their outings right now. But the the counter to your it's only May argument is if you're asking these guys to pile up seven innings because you've got a thin bullpen in May, how does that what what are the dividends from the work that they have to put in in May and June when you get to October? Because you're right, Severino has come back and been the guy that they needed him to be. But he ha- he's been off for two years. So How he many should be well-rested now for the next for? two months. He should be well-rested. But, <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's the next two months, yes, but it's that third and fourth month when you get into postseason play that they need him to be a horse. And we talked about it before the season. This is not a get-in-the-playoffs-and-it's-okay proposition for the New York Yankees anymore. This is an all-or-nothing proposition for the New York Yankees, and this is a part of the year where you can rely on your starting staff, but what does that mean to you when you get into September and October? And my biggest concern, I think that's a team that's good enough to win the World Series if they're all there, but they need to all be there. And, and my biggest concern is wearing out their starting staff the way that La Russa did the White Sox Mr. last Mr. year. Mr. Chicago, you're not concerned about my Yankees, so don't give me any of that guff over there in Chicago, okay? Look, I You've mean... You've got the silver lining. I've got the cloud, brother. That's I, what we do. I, I just... I just... I don't see the concern. I think there's way too much concern on the Yankees. Maybe it's just because it's the Yankees, you know? But, I mean... You know, Gallo's, Gallo's going to turn things around here. These are, these are good guys. I mean, you know, Rizzo, all these guys... I mean, it's just too early. Talk to me at the end of June. I mean, they've got a stacked... I mean, look, let's let's start with this series against Tampa Bay this weekend, right? So let's just see how this goes, and we'll go from there. And yeah, then look, they, and then they got the only, Angels, only, and then they got the Tigers. and then It's only the a four-and-a-half game lead on Tampa right I now. understand so this that. Is, this is a big weekend with a thin bullpen and yeah, missing so a couple key bats. So a big and, weekend. And it's, to me, I look, see, I'm looking at the positive sides here. This is a great chance for Booney to look at – the other guys he's got in this lineup to see if he can step in because down the road maybe he can maybe we can let's look to, towards maybe the Yankees have a good weekend here this weekend maybe they have a good couple of weeks um, while these guys are out and getting their uh, you know getting healthy and everything else and he can kind of see guys in action and if you're gonna give up I don't know what do you want to say the worst could be seven to ten losses here in the next month or whatever you know fine now's the time to have it because they've shown. Even minus Gallo's struggles, that these guys can play uh, as far as how they started uh, the beginning of the season here, uh, it'll work out. Now with the whole thing with Donaldson here, I, I I don't I just I'm not qualified enough to really commentate on it. I to me, it starts with his own teammates. It starts with his locker room. It starts with um, Aaron Boone, and it starts with Yankees management. You know, we can all sit here and have our own comments as far as, you know, I mean, Donaldson and Anderson are two of the biggest personalities in the game. They have huge egos. You know, I never, like, cared for Donaldson before he came to the Yankees. And, and I think most fans, guys who are jerks or guys who would fire, you, you hate playing against them. But once they put your, your uniform on, you get behind them or whatever. Now, I, in any way, I can't, I just don't, I'm not here to, I don't know if, if it's easy enough just to say, oh, he's this, he's that, he's a racist or whatever and everything else, I, I just, I don't, I don't have the, I can't do that. I, you know me, me and you are cut from the same cloth. I loathe racism. I hate racists. 
I can't stand it. I love the diversity of uh, Major League Baseball. We spent a ton of time speaking about this on last uh, last season's uh, episodes, too. But as far as this exchange between these two guys who have a history with each other, I, I, can't, I, I, I can't waste the air on making a commentary about it because... It's just I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go from the from Donaldson's teammates in the clubhouse right now. And if it is what it is, those guys will let us know whether or not he's the bad, awful person that he's being perceived to be. And I gotta tell you, a one game suspension, the COVID thing, whatever it is, he's taking a timeout. Which tab you know, which happens in all sports when something terrible happens, or something that looks bad for a team, or something that looks bad for a league. They, they kind of just put a hush on it. Donaldson's coming back, and he's going to be in this lineup. And there'll probably be another apology. And I got that's just my gut feeling. And, and they're going to move on. And the White Sox and the Yanks are going to play each other again. And who knows? I hope maybe what we'll see is we'll see a, an exchange of hugs on the infield. And hopefully we can move on, on move, for, move forward on this thing. But... I just think as far as the this having a, a terrible effect on the Yankees and the organization, it sucks. You hate to see this stuff happen. But yeah, as far, and I think I think that's I, the hardest I don't, thing. I don't Paul. think overall the what's that? I think that's the hardest thing is everything was going so right. But I, I, I disagree with the fact that the this is this is the Yankees are falling off the cliff here. I just it, it's not happening. This is and, and it's the Yankees are not the first team to go through this kind of stuff as far as individuals saying the wrong things. And it probably he won't be the only person this season that probably says something dumb and stupid. And as far as, you know, who's a racist and not a racist, believe me, he's not the only one in the league. And, you know, that's just a whole other conversation to have. And me and guys like me and you and on the outside and as fans, we can just sit here. Yes, we can definitely have our opinions on it. Um, and But it's ultimately, to me, it's like, hey, you know, um, it comes down to his teammates, the guys he 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 you know he shares you know hotels room with the the bus, the planes, the conversations in the locker room, his manager, and everything else. I will hold it up to them to make the final judgment as far as where Donaldson's concerned. And, and I will and, say this, Paul. You know, we'll put a bow on it with this. I will say I give Aaron Boone marks because he acknowledged the stupidity of the comment pretty much immediately uh, when he w- was able to see what had happened, have conversations with parties involved. He acknowledged the stupidity of the comment pretty much immediately, um, which is better than we've seen with head coaches and managers and other sports and, in hockey, the stuff that Nazem Kadri was getting from St. Louis fans after a run in with their goalie, the ridiculous racist threats that he was dealing with. The Blues organization has said nothing. The coach was asked directly about it, and he straight up said no comment and waited two days to say, I didn't know the full context. And but Well, th- therein the, lies, the, to, to, not to, to cut you the, off. The, I, the, I, action, the action that the Yankees took as an organization through Aaron Boone, I, I think was a very sound first step. Um, But again, you're right. Donaldson's a guy that if he's on the other team, you're going to hate him with every ounce of your being. And when he puts on your uniform, 
you're going to give him an ounce of, well, let's see what this guy can do. And he plays with enough grit, enough desire that it's easy to fall in love with the way that the guy approaches the game. So, um, but it, it's just, it, it's one of those moments that, you know, as, as a fan of the game, you look at it from the outside and you say, everything was so good with the Yankees. And then like negative pub isn't necessarily, or drama isn't necessarily something that you want to have entered into the equation. You want these guys talking about booting a ground ball or, you know, going over three, not some other BS. Uh, and it just, it felt really unfortunate that the best team in baseball had to deal with this <sighs> cloud over the organization at the time that they did. But you're right. Look, he went away, it's, and at it's... the end of the day, they've got leaders in that room, guys like Judge and Rizzo, that are going to need to look this guy in the eye. They've got a very diverse clubhouse. They they've certainly got a very do. They absolutely office, do. And he's going to have to look a lot of people in the eye and explain himself, and it's up to his teammates to deal with whatever their perspective is and, and as see, someone right, that shares right, a locker room with the guy. But right there, too, Tab, I, and we just don't have enough time. I've got, I've got tons of angles to throw in on this, this stuff. Because you could spend a huge discussion on this. And I know everybody, you know, as far as where it's being discussed, you know, outside of this show. There's so many different angles how you can talk about this situation and, and, you know, between Anderson and Donaldson here. And in terms of the level of, on the awful scales of things that were said or, you know, as far as, you know, these guys playing against each other for years. And clubhouses, and ball fields, and practices, and the and there's so many things that we don't see. And and you know, in professional sports, you know, you bring up the hockey situation and what happened with the uh, Kadri the other night and everything else, and 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 all the silence and all the quiet. It, that, and that's just a huge part of uh, major league sports. You know how it's handled. And I think there's a lot of people on the outside who are not on the inside who don't see it, and I think sometimes maybe that's why the leagues have to kind of have those things, no comment, can't discuss it now, because, you know, they can't sit there on the microphone, well, you have no idea what's been going on here the last few years. You have no idea. I heard these guys have a conversation that had, them, you know, this and that. Like I said, we could spend an, uh, another two hours, especially me, as far as, you know, what's the level of awfulness here between Donaldson and Anderson in the exchange and and if we're looking for quality and as far as conversations and arguments and stuff, and, and it's unfortunate, but yes, it's incredibly difficult. But I, I will just try and have, and I respect all sides of this. And Tab, you know me, but we just can't do it here. And I, I can't express where I want to go with it because it, it'll take us three more hours to go through this. But I, I'll stick to my original thing. It's it's up to uh, Donaldson's teammates. And it's between Donaldson and Tim Anderson. And like I said, I hopefully down the road, you know, we'll see hugs on the infield or something like that. And if not, if it's in this, you know, there's, there's no racism is no way to be involved in any antagonistic ways as far as the good of the game, as far as, you know, rivalries and having exchanges. And, and we have bench clearing brawls and all the stuff that we get here. And, and as far as guys saying terrible things to each other, there's, there's actually no tolerance for that. But this particular exchange between Anderson and, and Donaldson, where is that on the scale of awfulness as compared to the overall everyday in and out that happens? Let's just talk baseball here right now. And Donaldson, his, Donaldson history. 
And we just don't have the time to really go into that. So I think it's going to yep. be – it's in the locker room. It's his teammates. And if his teammates and Aaron Boone and those guys who work with him, sleep, you know, sleep with him, eat with him, drink with him, party with him, go to war with him on the field, they will let us know the true ultimate character of Donaldson. And you never know. He's either going to come back or Tab, like I said, he may not come back. Yep, and you're right. And we will find out very quickly because, as I said – this is an all-in year for the Yankees. This is not a make-the-playoffs-is-good-enough year. And if there is a conflict in the room, and like I said, there are leaders in that room, Rizzo, Judge, and some other guys, who I don't think would have a problem walking into Brian Cashman's office and Absolutely. say, this dude's an ass, he needs to go. Absolutely. And I think Cashman would accommodate that in a heartbeat because he knows his legacy is now looking at way too long between rings in the Bronx. And so we will see. And I think, you know, you you make a very valid point that Tim Anderson can go on. He was on Bomani Jones podcast. He, he's done other interviews. They don't like each other. They didn't like each other going in. Um, and they sure as hell aren't going to be breaking bread anytime soon. But we will find out very quickly how, uh, how he reconciles this event with his teammates based on how he is received by the guys in that room and what his role looks like on the Yankees moving forward, because that is a very diverse organization. And if this is something that is a bigger issue, uh, it, we will certainly see very, I think, decisive action from the New York Yankees moving forward because they don't, they don't have time and a four and a half game lead with Tampa coming in with all the injuries we just talked about. That could be one and a half. That could be half. They, you know, Toronto's going to figure it out at some point. They're off to the best start in baseball, but it's a precarious position because that division is so good. The top four in that division aren't going to go away. And so yeah, I, I think uh, that... we will find out very quickly how he reconciles uh, the comment to Tim Anderson and the way that he's tried to explain it publicly in the wake of it. Um, how he reconciles that with his teammates, because you're right. He's going to have to look those other 28 to 20, 30 guys, depending on who's called up because of the injuries. He's going to have to look all those guys in the eye at some point and answer for what he did. Yeah, and it's, and, it's an insanely we'll diverse really, fan base. Real quickly base. how much they want to put up with it. Yeah, and, and, and the Yankees fan base is incredibly diverse. Uh, you know, in the same way, you know, I mean, New York, I mean, between the Mets and the Yankees, as far as, you know, uh, the history and, and and especially over the last, you know, 40, 50 years here. I mean, you, you, you yeah. uh, the, the fan base is incredible, but it's incredibly diverse, you know. So, look, I think, like I said, I think the Yankees will ultimately handle this the right way and they'll, they'll let us know, um, you know, how they're going to handle it. And, and I think, and, and just to wrap this up on the Yankees, too, um, I think they're going to be fine. As far as baseball, with everything that they're going through right now and, and all the valid points you bring up in terms of where they are right now and the, and, and the injuries and the pitching, but, you know, I, I just firmly feel that they'll they'll handle this. There's, there's just a, a really good buzz going on here, and I think you nailed it too. I think guys like Rizzo and AJ, you know, and I brought that up at the, in the beginning too when, you know, when Voight was released and they got rid of Sanchez, and um, I, I think the, the Rizzo being able to take over first base and being a, a leader to, and AJ is just leading like crazy, you know, on the field and off the field, and he's, you know, he's going to get, he's going to get a tank full of money here, and he's not going anywhere, and 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 I love, I've always loved Aaron Boone, and I think he's a good guy, 
I think he's a solid guy, and I think, like I said, the ship will be okay. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and the curtain closes on Broadway. <laughs> At least for this week. This week. For this week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Get your pads out. Get your pants. Get your pencils. Take a look at your PayPal account, because it's time for tabs. Fantasy and of the week, baby. Tab teaches how to make money. Oh, let's warm it up a little bit here, and we're going to go to uh, the land of, uh, not milk and honey, the land of beer and queso. Uh, Milwaukee, which of course uh, Alice Cooper told us is from the Algonquin Milwaukee, which means the good land. Uh, and when you're in first place, it's a good land to be uh, a Brewers fan right now, even though the Cardinals are nipping at your heels. Uh, this week's Line Drive Radio Fantasy Ad of the Week, we're going to the outfield in Milwaukee. Tyrone Taylor, uh, nice. young outfielder who in the past week is six for his last 17 entering Thursday. With three home runs and ten runs batted in, he is only owned in 3% of Yahoo Fantasy League. So if you're one of the other 97% of the Yahoo Leagues that don't have Tyrone Taylor on a roster, we've talked about some of the injuries that are creeping up here. Bryant's out, Stanton's out. If you need a little uh, you know, performance-enhancing addition to your uh, lineup, Tyrone Taylor might be a guy that you consider. And he starts next week on Monday with a doubleheader against your Chicago Cubs. Uh, who may have uh, a, a young man by the name of Caleb Killian, their top pitching prospect, who ironically they acquired from the Giants in the Chris Bryant trade, circling all the way back to our headline. Uh, he may get the call for his major league debut. He's demolishing the minor leagues right now. Uh, but you might get a major league debut in one of those two starts for the Cubs in that double dip. Uh, but if you're in one of the 97% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues where Tyrone Taylor, outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers, is not owned, give him a look. He's hot right now. And that, dear friends, is your line drive radio fantasy ad of the week. I love it. I love it because he's on the Brew Crew. I love what I, the unis the Brew Crews are wearing this year, the collars, and uh, I like it all. I love it. Tyrone Taylor, another great baseball name here. On T-squared? <laughs> I love it. And um, I tell you, you know, you bring up the Cubs here, man. Uh, my buddy Suzuki's having a hard time there a little bit, huh? Well, yeah, Wisdom and Schwindel are hitting it pretty good right now. So they'll, they'll, they will continue to be a fun team to watch, even though they might not have the talent to win a division. Kiss of death for me, Suzuki and Brian. Back, back to being lovable losers, Paul. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, there it is, folks. Another episode of Laundry and Radio. But before we close the gates, lock the concession stands, turn the sprinklers on, shut the lights off, head on out the ballpark into the parking lot, it's time to say thank you for listening to us here. We want to wish everyone again a safe and healthy, happy Memorial Day's weekend. Get to the parades, folks. Don't forget what it's about. All right? And, uh, again, we can't thank uh, everyone who's uh, served the sacrifice for our great country and all the families, too. Tab, please, as always, say goodbye to the folks. Get the beer on ice. Get the uh, burgers on coals. Have a good weekend, folks. And if you get a chance, send a text message to somebody that you know that you haven't maybe talked in a while. Thank an educator. 
thank someone who's actively serving in our military. Make sure they know that you appreciate them and take care of those in life. Amen. All right, folks. Follow us everywhere at Line Drive Radio. That's at Line Drive Radio. Say hi to your old friends, Tab and Paulie, out there on the Twitterverse. Until next time, stay safe and play ball! Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.